Welcome to another episode of Indu Talks, the podcast that brings you to the heart of industrial engineering. I'm Thomas, your host. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Jordan Ferry uh, from Texas. Uh, Jordan currently serves as a senior associate application specialist at Texas uh, with over two years of experience. And she's also an alumni from Concordia. And today's episode, we'll, dri- we'll dive into Jordan's uh, experience in industry. Uh, the ins and outs of Texas, and uh, later on, uh, we'll have a few uh, questions from our student listeners. Welcome, Jordan. I'm good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, this, this, this has been a long time in the making, so I'm glad we're able to, to make it happen. Um, yeah, I guess you're here as a representative for Texas, which is uh, Consulting firm, from what I understand, consulting firm can do a lot of different things. So, uh, if you have like more details about what Texas does specifically, I think yeah, for, could. yeah, for sure. So, um, Texas is essentially we are a consulting firm, but on, based on software. So, we're a software company uh, with our aim to consult in end-to-end supply chain and provide visibility for our clients on their supply chain operations, and we offer services in different departments um, related to enterprise and healthcare. And we have different applications such as the point of view system, which I'll be referring to as POU throughout the podcast. Um, Point of use or POU is our hospital inventory management system. And this is the application that I'm actually specialized in and consult on. And we have um, several applications or softwares. We have general supply chain management system. Uh, We have a warehouse management system. We have a transportation management system and so on. Um, if uh, anyone's interested in learning more about the solutions that we offer, I do recommend checking out the Texas website because it's pretty easy to navigate and user-friendly. And uh, yeah, it's mainly today, mainly, like I said, I'll be speaking to the point of use implementation, uh, so hospital implementation for different hospitals across the uh, United States and Canada. Okay, so you mentioned just before we started recording that you were on a project uh, right now. Uh, from yeah, from the application's point of view, what kind of what kind of projects are uh, you be working on? Is it the application facility or so yeah, so the sales team will work with um, you know, uh, meet with the different hospitals, different possible clients and uh, meet with them, go through the different solutions we have to offer and uh, you know figure out what the scope would be that's post sales that's when we come into play so once the sow is signed that's when we come in and we'll start working with uh, i'll work with the project throughout the entire implementation and um, we use a tier delivery model at texas on our projects so this means there's always a full-time associate so the second the project kicks off there's always someone um, let's say a pou ps person so in the professional services in the consulting role, you'll have a POU PS person des- designated to the project and they're full time. And then you have an oversight, which is actually the role that I'm taking on currently with my title in my projects. And then you'll have a platinum consultant on each project. So my current role is application specialist. So I'm essentially a, cult- a consultant, like I mentioned, for POU. And my previous roles were associate application specialist and senior associate application specialist. So currently I'm on two projects and I meant to oversee all the project activities uh, related to the module, um, provide guidance, especially to the associate or associates on the project, 
and support the team in achieving a successful implementation. And the project can vary a lot in terms of, you know, the different systems that we'll integrate with that can have a huge difference. So depending on the ERP or EMR that we'll integrate, um, the scope, the type of hospital, whether we're working with a trauma one facility or a little clinic. So um, that really changes the what the project's going to look like and the day to day, what that would look like as well. But typically the day to day is impacted by the stage of the project that we're in. So really, if you're in the beginning stage or end stage, whatever is occurring. So, um, for example, in our analyze and design phase, I'll work a lot with the enhanced business solutions team to do the interface build with the client. And if ever the client had a unique modification that they needed in the application, I would work closely then with the product and technologies department as well. So it's really important to know when to communicate to the different teams in the various okay. stages, but that can really change what your project looks like and who you're working with. It's a really good question. So typically it again, really dependent on the scope. I've been on projects that last over a year, but typically it would be within a year with a, um, I would say about six months on average, you see the estimated timeline. But it really depends, too, on how many facilities. We have some clients that want to go live with all their facilities in one shot, so 12 facilities. Some clients want to start with one, so that will change the implementation timeline. So sometimes we'll break it out by phases. We'll do a phase one, which could be six months typically, and then we'll do other facilities. Or if we're going to do all facilities, we might do a phased approach. So we try to assess the situation. It could also depend, too, on the client's resources because they really have to get involved, too, in the implementation. There is a lot to you do it's a big change for them typically a big lift so um we'll try to take that into consideration as well like how much bandwidth do they have in terms of um providing super users we call super users those who are going to be most trained in the application and who will support the end users um so their availability those are also typical man typically managers and people that are needed already at the hospital with the supply chain staff so uh depending on how much they can be pulled away we'll work with the that'll affect the timeline as well. So, so, yeah. so Texas also provides training for an application. Uh, yeah, we do. So we have um, a process, what we call process training session, where we give the most in-depth training to what we call the super users. So those who are supposed to be the most knowledgeable and anyone who's creating the training as well on the client side should attend that. So we will create training documentation for them. We'll teach them how to navigate the application. Uh, it's specifically the adapted solution. So at this point, we know um, we've adapted certain solutions to their specific to this client. So then we'll sit down with them and say, okay, this is what your day-to-day is going to look like. Show them how to navigate through the system. We've also loaded data. Um, typically, we try to get their data so we can load it into the system so they could see what it's going to look like. So we'll show them that, let them um, test in it, learn. And then essentially after that session, they'll go start working on building out their own internal documentation um, to train their end users. And um, nice. also those super users assist in testing, right? So after that stage, they're going to support in doing all the testing that comes into play and that'll help them learn how to use the application and better ha have a better understanding as well. So, yeah. okay. like you mentioned that the application was for the supply chain specifically, uh, but if you can provide some, some details, like just for an example, yeah, of course. 
Yeah, so um, again, fully dependent on the scope, but for hospitals, it can really vary. So uh, you've probably heard, especially for the industrial engineers out there, like the Kanban solution, so Tubin, we have that, but we have various versions of it. We have versions where it's more manual input in a mobile handheld, or if uh, the client invests in RFID, so radio frequency identification technology, they'll use different technology as well, but there's um, Tubin panels that they can utilize where the clinicians just move um, tags on and off the panel. So there's Kanban solution that can be adapted. There's also, uh, you know, and all the way to documentation in our room. So we also have our case documentation resource and they'll, you know, we're following that whole end-to-end supply chain piece. So things coming into the facility all the way through documentation. So we'll capture that as well. Um, We could do case picking, right? If that's in scope, like all that you know, whenever you have a surgery booked, you don't realize how much goes in behind the scenes to all the picking and prepping that goes into place. So we'll help manage that piece, like getting all the inventory ready to go for a case. So um, yeah, like things like that will all come into play. So it really depends on what we're managing in the hospital, but there's several solutions like emergencies, right? If you have a trauma facility, that'll bring another solution into play just for the emergencies alone. Because sometimes, you know, and we have to adapt to different hospitals needs too, but um, yeah, so it, it can change. But those are two examples, like the documentation piece in the room and then the, um, like the Kanban tubin solution. Nice. Yes, that's that's a good picture of what like Texas does. Um, if we move to like what when we're thinking about healthcare, uh, the healthcare industry, after graduating, is that something that you looking for, or um, or just getting stable on it? I was interested in it, so we talked a little bit about it in my um optimization courses at school and I wanted to um actually with Dr. Kazemi at one point we did a project on hospitals and I was just interested it piqued my interest in the field so I um when I graduated and I was contacted by the company I the more I read about it the more interested I was so I got involved and thus far I found it I find it very interesting working with um hospitals I've learned a lot about the uniqueness of their supply chain processes in the facility and how it affects like just patient care um the impact it has just from start to the or rooms it's really interesting so for me it was a topic that i had a lot of interest in they do have like i mentioned you know there's the uh, they do have the generic warehouse management system and i have peers that graduate industrial engineering that are working with that system that love it i just personally was interested in um the clinical aspect and uh, seeing inside an OR room, like I've stood inside an OR room while they're documenting and seen procedures and how we affect the 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 ability for the users to, you know, the clinicians and the doctors to do what they need to do. So I find that really interesting personally. Nice. And I believe you have also colleagues that come from Concordia. The... Yeah, several colleagues um, that come from Concordia. So as we all know, industrial engineers, typically, uh, depending on what you do after we um, I've seen a lot of them go into consulting. They're good with uh, the software from what we've been seeing as well as with the clients, typically just because of what we do. And we do learn about the SMART methodology and Texas follows that. So I find we acclimate well into the role. And um, yeah, and our coding background that we do a little bit in school also really helps with this role. It helps us expand the role, although it's not necessarily um, required. But uh, yeah, I do have a lot of peers in the different modules that we work together. It's, uh, It's nice. Nice. Um, kind of related to that, actually, I have 
I have a question uh, from um, from uh, one of the one of the students. One of the students. Okay. What is the level of communication between parties at the Texas? Is this people uh, or do you try to yeah, just possible? Yeah, so we do work in silos and we have to be aware of when to contact like each department. So again, it's really based on what stage of the project you're in. And that's part of my role actually as oversight is to know when to reach out to these different departments. And it depends on the stage, depends on the need. And um, you build your contact base, but we do work in silos. So we'll have the professional services department, which is the department I'm in. And I'll work closely with other consultants, even in the other modules. So we can have projects where, um, you know, it's not just point of use, it's actually point of use and their hospital's warehouse. So they'll use our warehouse management system and our point of use system and our supply chain management system. So on a project like that alone, you'll have a minimum of three PS consultants, one for each application. So we'll work closely together day to day. We have, a, um, we'll need to work together to make sure everything's communicating as it should the other departments, like the enhanced business solutions team or the product technology team, like they don't work directly necessarily with us throughout the entirety of the project. They'll come in for different stages or for different needs. So EBS that works with us for integration, they'll only they'll mainly come in for uh, we have like an interface design workshop at the beginning of the project. They'll come in to help us set that up, to set up the interfaces, to do the testing, the integration testing. And once all the testing passes um, and we're good to go, they'll we won't speak with them until needed for the next couple stages of the project. So it just really depends on the stage of the project that you're in. But we do get to work closely with these different departments. Like I'll get to speak with customer care when we do the transition. So it's nice because it allows me to still um, meet folks in different departments, but I don't work with them on a day to day. It's really project based. Like there's people that I still haven't really interacted with much because they weren't um, staffed on my project so right. yeah like in that environment where you have to communicate every day, uh, is it some is it difficult uh, to have your, your opinion heard and respected uh, as a young person that's a question from a student also which i think is uh, yeah. it's a good question i've experienced that a lot in general, like just through doing internships and just working um, before coming to Texas. So that was something I was worried about, but I don't find that's the case. I find there's um, a lot of young uh, new hires at Texas, and I feel that all inputs valued. I find that we all do have a voice and it really depends on yourself. It's more about the person than it is about the age. And um, I don't find it difficult to be heard especially um, on a project, I find all input is always valued and we really work as a team. That's personally what I like about working here because I like working in group projects. I like working on teams. So uh, for me, it's great because I find, and I mean, we'll probably talk about it, but it also speaks to the growth and the, um, the promotion path, right? But I don't find ever since, I find ever since I've started, I've had a lot of opportunities to speak. And if anything, at first I was nervous about the um, you know, amount of um, responsibility I had or amount that I could have a voice on a project, but it only uh, gave me opportunity to grow and to uh, speak up and to learn. So, yeah, I don't find that's been a problem at this. Uh, I find it's been really easy to have input on calls and meetings and feel like you're heard and involved. 
and you feel like you've managed to grow, you managed to take that opportunity. Do you feel like, yeah, there's a difference between you that starting your Definitely a difference. Um, what I can say uh, for sure with Texas is if you want to grow, if you're a, driven and you want to advance quickly, they'll give you the opportunity. They'll work with you. So uh, this is really dependent on yourself and where you're at in your career and how you're feeling. But if you vocalize that you want to be at a certain place or there's certain things you want to work on, they'll definitely give you the opportunity to do that. They'll put you with you know either a mentor that is expertised in um, let's say you want to work on your presentation skills, they'll make sure to give you opportunities to work on that and to advance it quickly. So as it's important for you as well, for anyone to vocalize what you need to work on or what you, how comfortable you are uh, taking on certain initiatives too, right? Um, early on when I started, I had an opportunity to present in front of a lot of, I think there was over 200 people on the call, like a presentation I prepared, but that was because I, I vocalized that I wanted to do that, something like that. If I hadn't been comfortable, my manager wouldn't have um, set that up. So it's important for you to voc- to advocate for what you want to do, but they will give you the opportunity if you want to do that. Right. I speak on presenting and something we, we do at school at least a couple yeah. times a semester. And I have a question here from a student, which, uh, okay. which is what skill or knowledge uh, we should spend more time with? that would be useful now or which skill that you feel is the most useful now in your in your position like uh, is presenting something that you wish you had more in school or do you feel like the excel skills that you developed in school are particularly particularly useful yeah so i was actually going to speak to that a lot of the excel work a lot of the things we do on projects um really help now it's important to working on your projects in class. I know you know, you'll have different roles on projects, but try to take on the role that um, is part of the solution design, part of explaining the solution. Like you're going to have to explain concepts and consulting if that's what you're interested in to the client. And being able to explain concepts is just as important as understanding them, because if you can't explain the concept to someone else for them to understand it, you're not going to get anywhere. So you need to be able to grasp the concept as well as explain it. So Working on the solutioning piece on projects is really key. Um, getting involved if you can. I know it's important in your classes to do that, but if you can get involved and participate in associations, um, volunteer to work with. I know when I was in women engineering and I was VP of uh, VP external affairs, I had to work a lot with organizing events with companies and work on having discussions just uh, around sponsorship. And that really helped me build my you know, soft skills. And so it's just important to get involved where you can and not be shy. Don't shy away from competing in case competitions just because you don't feel like you haven't completed enough classes and you feel like you're not, you're lacking knowledge. Just don't shy away from taking on, um, even in your group projects, if you don't know how to, maybe you're not as proficient with C++ and you're not comfortable doing the um, solutioning aspect, try to get involved. Don't shy away just because you don't know. That's the best way to learn is to do it. So I would say the best thing you could do is take advantage of your hands-on um, opportunities in your classes, anything to do with Excel, anything to do with building the PowerPoint, get involved with doing it because it'll make you that much better at uh, and more comfortable when you're working in the real world. I yeah. love the hard skills. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> working with hard skills, yeah. Um, okay, I'll go with one last question. 
and I'm looking at them right now and I'm trying to pick. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that's a good one to it's a good personal. It's also okay. uh, it's also relevant for students. Uh, what do you mean the most from the university? What part do you what part do you miss the least? Uh, what I miss the most is really group project work and I guess uh, being around my friends. I do work remote, so I don't see um, my peers as often in person, but it was nice to work on group projects with friends and be at school. But um, yeah, and just the different, just taking different courses and learning a variety of things that was really fun and getting involved in the associations, like the volunteer work was such a rewarding experience. It was a lot of fun. I still do that actually at work now, but I enjoyed it a lot at school. So I would, it's something I look back on and think about. Um, The thing I miss the least, I would say, I mean, um, non assignments where there was less interaction involved, maybe less teamwork and, you know, less hands-on work. I really enjoy doing my Excel analysis or working with uh, the softwares we have. So that's a personal preference. So for me, I I miss less um, report writing or things that were just more, you know, hands-on and less uh, presenting or interacting because I really enjoy that aspect of what I do now. So for me personally, I don't miss that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you, Jordan. That's a good note to end on. Uh, it was really insightful. Uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, for anybody listening, uh, if you want more information on this, uh, you can contact me. I can ask uh, my questions or maybe what contact we have. And also go check out the Texas website. Uh, Texas also has some presence on campus. So always check out the IFC, uh, IFC pages, maybe on Instagram or um, Facebook or whatever else. Yeah, be aware of uh, what's going on, and just like Jordan mentioned, be try to be tempted with what IMC is doing. Source for information development. So, um, so you know, as for us, thank you, Jordan, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah, thanks for putting this together, Thomas. And if anyone needs uh, advice, you can uh, reach out. Thank you.